Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast defining the experience of being a young adult with cancer. Each episode, we explore issues impacting young adults in and after treatment. Like what you hear? Have something to add? Come join us for next month's recording, the third Tuesday at 6 p.m. Thank you guys so much for joining tonight's podcast of Life on Pause. We have a really cool topic. It's actually a little more informative. We come this really fun program called First Descent. This gives a lot of young adults who, um, that are involved with cancer, has been affected in some way by cancer to try um, a new event that really makes them, um, in a way, according to their motto of uh, living with it. So we're really, really fortunate to have the vice president, not Kamala Harris, Mackenzie McGraw with us. I was very fortunate myself. I got to do a really cool event with them called, um, it was actually whitewater kayaking down the Great Smoky Mountains for a couple of days. I was there with other campers and they're also cancer survivors. And we did new, fun, challenging tasks that really um, had people kind of step out of their comfort zone. But it was a blast. Did a lot of bonding. Did a lot of cool things. So, Kenji, kind of, to begin with us, you could tell us a little more about yourself, how you got about with First Ascent. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Gus. It's lovely to be here. So let me start a little bit from the top for listeners that aren't familiar with First Ascent. So First Ascent provides life-changing outdoor adventures for young adults ages 18 to 39, impacted by cancer and other serious health conditions. So we're really an org- a nonprofit focused on the AYA community specifically and filling that gap in psychosocial care for young adults who are largely kind of not forgotten, but not really the, the focal point of clinical care necessarily. So our programs are really complementary to clinical care and non-clinical, and they're focused on bringing together peers who have shared a similar experience in a wild, iconic, natural setting and providing them with an opportunity to learn more about themselves as well as the collective group that they're with through um, an outdoor adventure. So our programs are all very outdoor adventure and community centric. Well, my introduction to First Descent started several years ago. Before I heard of First Descent, I was actually doing a completely different career. I was living and working overseas, focused on international aid and development work, and had traveled or lived or was working in Asia, Africa, and the Middle East. And during that time, I had always had a strong love and passion for the outdoors and spent a lot of time climbing, running, skiing as much as I could wherever I was when I wasn't working. But at about 2014, my older brother, Torin, was diagnosed with stage four esophageal cancer. And he was 34 years old at the time and and newly married. He and his new wife had actually um, saved up some money to take a year-long honeymoon around the world. And during their trip, they had stopped in New Zealand and he was starting to have symptoms. And that's where he was diagnosed. So he quickly came back to the US. And at that time, a friend of mine was working at First Descent and had referred my brother to a program. So he had actually uh, signed up for a whitewater kayaking program in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. And I just, I also heard of First Descent for the first time and just fell in love with the mission, the model, the commitment to the young adult um, cancer community despite the pain and challenge of 
losing my brother, a couple years later, I did start making introductions to folks that were working at First Descent. So when the position opened up, I was well positioned to to apply. So that's that's a little bit about me and my history and how I came to be um, where I'm at at First Descent. Very cool. Thank you so much for telling us. It's a great story. What happened to you, how you translate some different, like very positive. So uh, for me, um, I was going to describe more of my stuff, my first event. And then it's actually um, last summer, I was very thankful that Shelly's going to actually um, give me the heads up about first extent. Um, so I've always, I really love kayaking as well, being outdoors. And recently, I kind of got more of like the white water, more challenging stuff. I actually did a hot pile last summer, which is fun and extreme. And Shelly heard about it. She sent me the link about first extent. So I went on the website and I started seeing all these really cool events from young adults who are uh, been affected by cancer. Something cool like rock climbing, Texas. There's one like surfing in California. But the one I really commend is the white water down the Great Smoky Mountains. It's on the border of North Carolina and Tennessee. And it, it seemed like a really fun event. So I signed up and a couple of weeks later, they uh, responded back. And I was really lucky to have this opportunity to go down there. So it was, uh, it was this late December. I drove about nine hours. Down to Brighton City, North Carolina, and I had a really fun time. And uh, it's really cool to think we actually first ascent. They sort of provide you with all the housing, the food, and everything you need for a couple of days. And a lot of other people there were complete strangers. But um, even though they were strangers, we're all young adults from like 20 to 30. We all had the one thing in common where we all had some kind of bout of cancer. So even though like, they're strangers, this couple of days, we start doing the same um, activities. We bonded really quick. So it was actually for this couple of days, I made some really good friends. I'm so I have to keep in contact with them. We actually have a Facebook group. But it was really funny how fast we bond. And I'm sort of experienced with whitewater kayaking. For some of these people, this is the first time I'm ever doing it. So for them, this is really um, something completely new and different. But they really versus the challenge. It's really cool with perfect set with people involved. They make it really fun. You feel uh, comfortable. And they let you kind of be yourself who you want to do. And it, it was really a positive experience. You know, for a couple of days, I really had, um, I really made a lot of good memories. That's part. And I definitely, they kind of gave me this kind of hunger to try new things, new challenges. So I definitely would recommend first. I'm not sure, Mackenzie, you want to tell us more about it, your very first one or one that... That was actually two years after my brother Torrin passed. So First Ascents and the community, which is more than 10,000 alumni, was critical component in my healing process journey, trying to make sense of what had happened to my brother the role of being a caregiver, survivor's guilt, all of that that is experienced by probably so many here that will be listening to this um, episode. And that first year, I had the privilege of going on a number of programs, but I think one of the most memorable ones was my first one, um, and that was paddling Yellowstone River in Montana. And I found it to be just the most beautiful, serene, peaceful setting with like long stretches of flat water with smaller rapids. That was just a very perfect place to learn basic whitewater skills. I had, I had never paddled ever in my life. And all our programs are really designed for complete beginners. So we give everybody everything, the tools, the equipment, food, lodging, all our programs are completely free of cost. And our guides are all really well-trained. And they provide a supportive and safe environment. So I was nervous, I think, like so many of our participants are, but it was challenged by choice. So that's a motto that we use at First Ascents, which is, yes, our programs are centered around providing a challenge and then allowing folks to 
build a relationship with that challenge and to take on whatever challenges they like, as well as to bow out of challenges and that it's an individual choice. So nobody's forced to do anything. And one of our staff members is Willie Kern, who's like one of the most famous whitewater kayakers in the history of the world. And so I was just really excited to paddle for the first time on a program with other folks of my age and similar peer group, but then also get to paddle with Willie Kern. I felt really safe the entire time. I mean, it's like one of the most famous person, whitewater kayakers you could ever paddle with. So it was a real privilege. Well, I know a quick question for you, Mackenzie. Um, it's first to send all of you mentioned here towards kind of young adults and like that healing process. Is there any like, uh, you know, any research or maybe just your opinion about how that um, participating in first ascent or trying these new like outdoor adventures activities, you know, what, does it, what kind of effect does it have on young adults who are still healing from the trauma of cancer? And what does it mean to them on a personal level, you say? Yeah, I think, you know, first ascent really sets itself apart in that we've been around for 20 plus years. We have thousands of alumni and we are focused on the young adult, the adolescent and young adults, the AYA community specifically. And the reason why is that, you know, the number of young adult cancer patients is growing at an alarming rate. Every year, nearly 87,000 adolescents and young adults ages 15 to 39 are diagnosed with uh, cancer. Over the years, FD has evolved its programs to address the changing needs of the young demographic, has acted, and has become a reputable space in the AYA oncology movement specifically. We know that adventure and community fosters healing, complementary to medicine and the clinical setting, and that not every healthcare intervention involves a hospital stay or a prescription. So FD really is focused on filling that gap in psychosocial care for young adults specifically. And for young adults, there is a lack of age and developmentally appropriate psychosocial support and peer-to-peer connection. So that's really our quest is for looking for new therapies outside of clinical environments where young adults are not defined by their diagnosis, but rather defined by what they're capable of and a shared common experience with other peers. Thank you. That's a really good answer. Um, I remember for us, when we did our trip down um, Great Smoky Mountains, we uh, rafted the Nitahala River, which is, um, we did it in Duckies, where you guys are you know, familiar. They're actually like inflated kayaks, right? really bouncy. And the point is, you don't fall over. So I remember going down to Nitahala. It's kind of last day, so this is the biggest challenge. Now, they actually had like class two, class three rapids. Like, you're just it's really safe. There's no like undercuts. There's no fear for anyone gets seriously hurt. But if you fall out, you go for a swim. So we had one person. She fell twice and she felt pretty bad. So we went, we, we got to the bigger class three. It's called the bump, the big rabbit. So we, the idea was that people near us, we would form like a four boat together and kind of go down together as a bunch. But one girl felt bad because she had fallen out. So we went down together and we made it as a team. And of course, we got bumped. And one person that fell was me. So I went swimming for about almost, I don't know, a couple hundred feet. And every time I come get me and get my paddle. But it's kind of what you mentioned. It was really, even though it was, it was just really fun, I guess the medicine was the best met with kind of the humor of the family the community we got all of it it was a fun memory i, I met i got wet i drowned i saw a lot of creek water but it was fun for me and fun for the whole challenge um just trying something different um i guess for other group members you guys have any questions about first descent what your thoughts about it Will you guys try something like this 
It definitely sounds interesting. I'd probably want to start small if I were to try things like this. I've definitely gone kayaking in the past. So I have some experience with boats. So I might want a little bit of a warm up before I go into white water. Now, just to be fair, um, me and Mackenzie were kind of talking a lot about the white water and the kayak and the rafting. Did you have other events? I remember on the website, they had like rock climbing. I think that one was surfing. It's, you, there's a lot of different things. So you don't have to be just kayaking. So there's another thing. Like Mackenzie said, they also, they start with very beginners. So when we did our trip, there was people who never even been in like a kayak or boat and they get you, the first day we're kind of just on a lake. We're kind of just paddling. They can kind of work their way up. So as you said, it's really challenged by choice. They won't make you do anything like too crazy or extreme and they're really good. So no, no one got hurt. Well, I got hurt yeah. when I fell out. But other than that, no one got hurt physically. Well, we've got really tr- well-trained staff and we start as I had mentioned, Colton, just at the beginning where everybody's starting at a similar level. But as Gus had mentioned, we offer whitewater programs, whitewater kayaking, and then rock climbing, ice climbing, and surfing. Those are main outdoor activities that we do. The outdoor activity portion is really like the focal point of the program. But, you know, there are lots of other activities that are integrated into the entire experience, including you know, downtime, we have traditions and ceremonies, which are kind of this intentional time that we bring the group together and talk about the day, what we learned, some challenges that were experienced as well as successes. And then we have a really strong emphasis on nutrition education. All our programs, all our overnight programs have professionally trained chefs that come out and the food is phenomenal. But I promise you, hands down, you'll never have as good food as as we provide at first sense. It's all homemade from scratch cooking, but there's a really strong focus on nutrition education and just providing all our participants with really good home cooked health supportive meals as well, but totally safe, very, very well-trained staff and our guide partners as well. So Colton, I'd say that everybody on a whitewater program eventually falls out of their boat. So I'm pretty sure if there's a boat involved, you're going to fall out at least once. That's a guarantee. Totally. Otherwise, you're not doing it right. Now, McKenzie mentioned earlier, these trips, this is all first time complete, paid for all three, the housing, the mill, everything, which makes it really a cool opportunity for you guys. So even for me, the first time, uh, you, know, you just got to apply. Sometimes they're waitlist, but I was lucky I got on this event. And, but you said they do a really good job of taking care of you. We stayed in like a cabin. It was a nice room. room. The food was really good. It was a really beautiful setting down the Great Smoky Mountains. So. Yeah, all the programs are free of costs. We do offer travel scholarships too and are wholly aware of the financial toxicity that so many of our participants are experiencing while they're seeking treatment. So travel scholarships are also available to folks if they choose to apply. How many days do your program stretch? Like you have day outings and then you have like overnights? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we're now just moving into overnight programming. We used to run just single day programs a couple years ago, but we decided to not run those anymore, um, at least for the time being, for a number of reasons. Um, but most importantly, we find that the greatest demand is for our longer week long programs. And that's where we see the greatest impact and really the opportunity for the participants to really get into the outdoor activity and really see some growth and learning but then also really provides folks with enough time to decompress, 
take a real break from all the other things that are there in life that'll be waiting for everybody when they get back, but really to connect with self and to connect with others. And we really find that it takes at least two or three days to be able to get there. So all our programs in, in 2022 are signature week-long programs. Yeah, we're back with a vengeance because we haven't run these week-long programs since 2020, since before the pandemic. And the oncology community is like coming out, you know, totally excited and trying to sign up for these programs. So the oncology community is really excited that we're bringing them back. So I know for me, when I did my event, because actually mentioned the whole everything in the past year, for to mine was about four days. But for four days, it was pretty awesome, pretty fun. So it's pretty cool we're going back to the week long. I think people are more excited to spend more time. Um, for my, when we did with our group, it's kind of, we wish we could spend more time with us. But for four days, it was pretty fun. Like I said, I had to travel a little bit, drive nine hours, nine ten to see. But it was definitely worth it. It was fun. It was a fun memory. Um, for some of you guys, just so you know, like when I went there, everyone who was there were complete strangers. So no one knew anyone. So maybe you guys feel a little shy about using kind of new socially. We went down there. It was probably, I would say it was 12 or 13 other campers. And we were, um, everyone was strange. No one knew anyone. So I guess the biggest thing, how do you bond with each other? So the first night, you get down, you kind of take time, you eat dinner, you get to know each other, you do like the corny icebreaker questions. And one of the coolest thing is you get a nickname. And a lot of times, nicknames can be something you like personally or someone who invented the idea. So we're there, we're down there, we're talking around. There's one lady who was talking. She was like, um, they were like, she was older than me in her mid thirties. And she was telling me, cause her name was Duck. And she was like, Oh, you probably, you probably know a TV show with names of Duck. Never saw a TV show. Here's an 80s show about Texas Rangers and Robert Duvall. He's just like tough. Cowboy, he's trying to make order in the West. And his name was Lonesome Dove. So that was my nickname for the whole trip, Lonesome Dove. And everyone has a like, full nickname. The one girl really loved Skittles, that was her nickname. Another guy's nickname was Hot Pants. We had a guy named Eagle. And you kind of do fun things. And to be honest, for us, our group, probably the first night, the next day, people were buying pretty quick. And we started doing activities and trying new things. And you really sort of have that shared experience. So I, I want to say, like, we formed friends pretty fast. I bet. I don't know if this is a thought or a question, but I guess part of what seems so appealing about these trips is like, I feel like when you're a patient, you feel really physically fragile. Like there's so many restrictions and there seems to be some appeal to like doing something, I don't want to say crazy outdoors, but like an adventurous outdoor activity to kind of like break through that barrier and kind of reclaim that feeling. Is that something that like resonates based on your experiences? I guess I'm asking both Gus and Mackenzie. And like, like, how do you see that play out on trips? Yeah, I can take this one, Gus, and would certainly love to hear what, what you have to say on this. Our programs are designed, Casey, to really support psychosocial outcomes. So we have research that proves that our programs are effective from a psychosocial standpoint, specifically related to reducing levels of anxiety and depression fatigue, but then also improving feelings of isolation and alienation and creating that community connection. Another piece that we found is really interesting in past research is that body image and physical appearance for folks that have completed a program is actually strengthened because I think they are no longer defined by their diagnosis or their former diagnosis, but they really feel that they can live in their bodies and that they have kind of command you know, their mind, their body, and their spirit, they're not defined by their diagnosis. They're not limited by it, but that they're able to kind of get out of 
this this former experience or this former identity and create a new sense of identity for themselves in a safe collective environment where everybody else is experiencing the same thing. So body image, confidence, and physical appearance, among all the other things I listed, are are things specifically that we found that folks are really walking away with feeling a, a, a real strengthened sense of. I mean, you can learn more about our programs. We've we've done a number of um, collaborative research efforts on our website, firstdescents.org, under our impact page, and read more about what it is that we do and the program effectiveness and the outcomes and impact for the young adult community. Yeah, and kind of add on to that, I know for us, um, I guess to me on a personal level, I've been trying to do more things. I remember being on treatment, like you guys, you so many restrictions on your health when you eat. You can't do all these um, training activities, of course, you're on treatment. For myself, I've been kind of trying more things where I feel that I have to be kind of held back by my cancer. So I know when I went on my first percent trip, a lot of the other campers, they were kind of already off treatment. We did have another person who was still on active treatment. He actually had um, a central mind, too. So he had to put tape over it. He was still participating in the event. So as you kind of mentioned before, it's like um, not being held back. And this event kind of gets you a chance to have that that freedom, that challenge, the choice to do something different, stepping out, and not being completely defined by cancer. And I was just myself, one of the campers mentioned about the way we're kayaking. She used an analogy that life doesn't stop and be on the water, the water doesn't stop. You're always moving, you're kind of adapting to it. And she described that kind of having cancer. You're not sure what's going to happen to you and everything. You just got to kind of adapt and just go with the flow and overall try and enjoy the view and the scenery. So I thought it was really cover analogy or metaphor to you describe it. So in my opinion, yeah, I love that. It's a great analogy. Yeah. I'm sure you could do it for rock climbing, surfing, all ice climbing, all other cool events too. Yeah, the outdoors really provides that like perfect backdrop for what you said, Gus. It's like I mean, whitewater kayaking in itself, you're paddling and learning to be in movement and in sync with a moving plane, right? So it's learning really they teach you to not tighten up, not resist, not fight, but kind of go into the waves. I don't know if the instructors taught you that, yeah. yes, but you find that you, you're you actually more successful if you learn to move with it and not resist as much. And we found that just the outdoors, you know, provides that opportunity for people to step outside of their regular day-to-day life. And really, we know that nature heals, but that it's also a really great, metaphor and place for people to really experience being back in their bodies again and what they're capable of. And then also that connection um, with others that I think for so many young adults, you know, most of your natural peer group is getting married or going to college or getting their job and then you're hit with a diagnosis. And so there's nobody really there to turn to in terms of a natural community. And that's really what First Ascent's does is creates that community for young adults who are going through a similar experience. What is your haven? I mean, it could be something that means gives you inner peace, something that gives you comfort. Or for me, like we talked about first, it is really cool being outdoors, do something different, try something fun, like white watering. But for me, really my haven, I really just enjoy walking my dog. He is my best friend. So I have a little Jack Russell and we go on long walks and he's just, he's a dog, so he's always in the moment. He's happy. For me, it's kind of, it gives me happiness. It's not really a chore walking the dog, but we go out for nice long walks in the woods or we have the dog park. And I get the way to do therapy where I'm kind of here when he's happy and I'm happy. I'm kind of just feeding off his energy where I'm living the moment. So 
I'm trying to get to you guys. What's your haven? Mine is also dog related, but it's also dad related. My dad and I run a lot together and probably we love trail runs the most. And there's some beautiful state parks where we live in Pennsylvania. So Haven would probably be a nice, cool trail run with my dog and my dad. I'll be honest and honest, with all the restriction I've had the past two years, my Haven's probably hanging out in my house with my cat. So I do want to try to get more outdoor experience. Yeah, pets are the best. I agree. That's a huge just way to, I don't want to say disconnect, but yeah, as you said, just be, be a little bit more present in the moment. So my haven is just being in the mountains and nature. I don't necessarily need to be doing anything in particular, but I think just being quiet and um, disconnected from computer and phone is my haven. I think I agree with all those. I would take all those that have been named, but I would also um, name the power of a comfy couch, a soft blanket, and a good book. All very good answers. I'm sure the days you guys know we feel the grays and so bad. And some of the other cameras come and we don't feel the grays and cancer is really getting to you even after treatment. How do you guys kind of achieve, achieve serenity with life after cancer? Like, what gives you peace? Like, what do you kind of do to give you, like, what's good therapy for you guys? Honestly, just letting time pass is enough therapy for me. It just, I mean, we'll just let things flow by and just move on to what's coming next. In that sense, um, stress doesn't usually weigh on me for too long. But yeah, it might affect me for a little bit, but eventually it breezes by, especially as I handle the problems that are facing me. For me, sometimes when I think about like life and cancer, how hard it was, and some of the things afterwards, I would like to talk to someone else to kind of start this. Sometimes when I get upset and stressed, I kind of think of just the, I think of a really happy memory. It's something I'm really thankful for. I just think about that a little bit, and that kind of helped me balance out some other things going on. But I think those happy memories kind of brings me back and then he, it reminds me to be grateful. So that's something that kind of gives me, Serenity, a really fond memory. I've thought of stuff like that too. There's actually a Facebook group that's followed my journey. I'm just thinking about all the people who've supported me on that page, like going to a post and reading the comments that made me feel warm inside. And gosh, maybe this was more of an answer to your last question, but for me, it's just some type of like movement. It doesn't necessarily have to be exercise, but when there was such a, you know, significant period of time where I, I couldn't do much, just like sometimes like I don't, I'm not a runner, but like I will run a little bit and it just feels great to be able, like I feel very grateful to be able to do that. And I'm sure endorphins are a huge part of that, but it just feels good. Was there a certain moment during your guys' treatment that kind of gave you a really new perspective on life, cancer, like beyond that? Um, it's funny because when I was going, when I was diagnosed the first few months with the treatment, I didn't have a whole lot of close people in my life who had cancer. I kind of just knew about it. So I go through all the treatments and a lot of people were really nice and kind. And I remember for a guy, I actually took my dog out and my neighbor came up to me. He was old. He was 87, 88. He knew I was going to be treatment and he told me he actually had cancer himself and he was doing treatment. He never really shared it. It really kind of gave me perspective because I, was, I had cancer. I was a lot of things going around me. Then when someone else told me they had cancer, I was kind of biased and I was really I never got that experience because everyone around me knew I had cancer, but to see how they felt when they knew someone else had cancer, it was kind of a really eye-opening event that, you know, cancer affects a lot more people than you think. And it was funny my neighbor, he's very old, he's through removal too. And from what I knew, he was actually battling cancer for a couple of years. He was just very, he was very quiet to himself. He had to share that moment. He actually passed away the next year, but it was, I never forgot that moment. He told me that it kind of gave me a new perspective on life about, you don't realize how much cancer affects other people and, 
whether people are battling. In a way, everyone kind of has their own hidden battle. So I'm curious, does anyone have some kind of moment that really gave you a new perspective or something? I haven't experienced post-treatment because I've been in remission for over three and a half years now. And as a nurse taking care of patients, just the, I guess the experience is that you really don't know what everyone's gone through. Everyone in their own right has gone through something. So you can't judge or think that what you're going through, someone else hasn't. For example, I had this patient, she was in so much pain and she was going in the midst uh, between chemos and she was like, this is terrible. Never get old. She was saying to me, like, you don't ever want to get cancer. You don't want to know how this feels. Um, I was just like, well, I already, I already have experience of actually, but can't judge a book by its cover just because I look young and healthy right now. doesn't mean like I haven't been at some other point in my life. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to be again at some point in your life. So just like having that experience, because like no one's ever said to me before, like, oh, you're too young or like, there's like, stay healthy while you can. Because if you don't know someone and you don't know what they've gone through, you can't really put that label on someone just because of how they look. So it's kind of interesting just this, like for someone older than me to just think that because I'm young and I'm healthy that I haven't struggled. So I just thought that that was interesting to experience that from the other side. A thing that changed my perspective during treatment was the feelings I got when I had the first steroid, like the heavy loads that they put on you when right off the bat. It's the amount of feeling that it gave me, like the amount of things that changed my body and just how bad I felt. Not even because of the cancer itself. Ironically, it's because of the chemo and the steroids that make you feel bad. It just was mentally crippling at the time. Because I would sit there and do nothing. Like, not even enough motivation to turn on the TV. Kind of crippling. <laughs> Lack of motivation. And then there was when I, a time when I looked in the mirror and really saw the moon face that prednisone causes. How and just my complete lack of hair and how different I looked, and I was like the one time I really felt sad during my treatment. Like I had a lot downtime, but that was like a really sad spot for me. I think it's important because I talk about like these moments that give you new perspective. Um, someone mentioned me one time about how perception is sort of reality. So I think for a lot of us, we talk about going through cancer being young, or you meet someone who's older, or even a family member got cancer. There really isn't a right or wrong answer, or one way to look at things. There's just so much to it. This is really it's a very heavy topic of cancer. I think for all of us, it's kind of just that personal experience and kind of think who you are, what it means to you, and kind of understand how you sit with all this thing. I think that's why we have these, these podcasts, we talk about these topics, try to better understanding overall with cancer. It's a tough thing to go through for all of us. But where, what's something that you guys are doing that really like you're living in the moment where you're having a lot of fun and you're not worried about other distractions like work or the bills or even cancer? I think for me, recently, I got into more of the white water kayaking stuff. We kind of talk about how you're going to flow the water and you're going so fast. You always have to adapt. You don't have time to think. It's kind of like instinct. But I'm having so much fun that I'm not really worried about my cancer or my life or other things. I'm just really living the, in the moment. I have a minor one. I'll be brutally honest. My life is kind of boring right now. I don't have too much going on. I just go to college and then hang around at home during a commuter cycle. But... I have a group of friends from high school that I still have a Discord with, and on a couple nights a week, I'll go in and talk to them for a couple hours, and I just kind of let everything else fade away to be able to just hang out with them in the moment. No, I was just going to echo what Colton said. 
a lot of times just spending good time with uh, loved ones in your life can make you forget about other things. So I, I don't know if it has to be tied to a specific activity, but just being with those people really helps. Yeah, I was just going to say, I like to stay as active as possible just because it does make me feel like I'm living in the moment. I like mountain biking a lot or road biking, running or jogging and like just being in the woods or being outside with my dog. I feel like any any activity that involves movement really helps keep you grounded. Those activities I find like a lot of other people are the best at keeping me keeping my head like on straight. Sure, I can go. I think it's kind of similar to what was shared previously is whenever I'm moving and I'm moving outdoors, whether it's rock climbing or ice climbing or skiing or running, that's really where I feel like I'm living in the moment. And it's causing, you know, me to be very, very present and mindful about my breath and my steps and where I am and kind of situational awareness. That's a real special moment for me. And then also in the morning, I like having, I'm like, I'm not a jump out of bed, get the day started type person I used to be, but I, in the past few years, really moved into just like these slow, enjoying these slow mornings where I just make a cup of coffee, the ritual of making my pour over, sitting on the couch with a blanket by the fire and looking out the window. And that's really kind of like sets the tone for me in the morning morning, and really when I'm living in the moment. So I'm recently back from Arizona where I was running a half marathon. And that, of course, for me, you know, it is that situational awareness. And this, I mean, and each race is different. So this one was the first half was like amazing. I felt great. And that's like one way of being in the moment. But the second half was a bit brutal, just um, how I paced it. And I think for me, like what that lesson was, was so interesting to just learn how much I could add to my, my pain. So, um, living in the moment, like there is, there was discomfort, but I could let go of, you know, the thoughts in my head that, why did I do this? This is the stupidest thing I've thought of doing in a while. Like, when's it going to be over? And just realizing like, that doesn't matter right now. What matters right now is how I'm moving my legs. Is there adjustments I can make so that it's a little bit more comfortable? So I'm just always fascinated by like physical challenges and what they can teach you about, you know, going through life. Oh, wow. Really good answer. Um, is that your first time doing a half marathon, Shelly? It's not. And I um, will use this opportunity to actually call out Lexi, who I think one of the ways that you like reclaimed your body was by tackling running. Um, and I was wondering if you had any thoughts on kind of the parallels between doing a first descent strip and doing some of the ultra or um, kind of run- running challenges you've done. Yeah, I haven't done a first descent strip yet. But actually, while we're on this podcast, I did log on to make an account <laughs> and I signed yeah. up for one. All right showed interest for what in October for climbing. But yeah, I was never a runner before treatment. Like I could do a 5k and that was like pushing it for me. That was like a pat on the back for me. And then I feel like when I got sick, that was like a wake up moment for a lot of people in my family for about health in general. And so like my dad's never been like, I mean, he had a beer gut, like a typical dad gut, but he started running these 5Ks with me. And initially through Thon, we did like the Thon 5K. And he was like, wow, that felt really good. We should do that more often. 
and just like the physical challenge. So three miles turned into five, five turned into 10, 10 to turn into half marathon. Half marathon turned into our first uh, 15 mile race. That was like a mountain trek in upstate Pennsylvania with like 3000 feet of elevation. And now we sign up for half marathons regularly. This year we're doing a couple and he'll probably be getting me to do a marathon at some point. But like you said, Shelly, like the struggle of being like eight miles in and being like, oh my God, why did I sign up for this? What did I do to myself? Like it is the physical and the mental challenge and like the feeling when you finish it and knowing like my body is capable. And I think when I got back into running or when I got into running in the first place after treatment and I was like, I couldn't do this before I went through chemo. And now I'm like hitting miles that I never even thought I could do. I realized a lot of it was mental and it just like helped further validate to myself that my body is strong and capable no matter what it's gone through. So I think running was really like what helped me regain my strength in my body back. And I was a big lifter before treatment. So I was strong, but I think my endurance was crap. And then focusing on a new outlet after treatment helped me regain that strength and confidence in my body. You say you definitely enjoy it? I like that. I mean, it's a love-hate relationship. Like training is training. Uh, And I think there's definitely moments where I'll be running and I'll be like, this is a beautiful moment and I'll be thankful for it. And then there's moments where I'm like, this is kicking my butt right now, but I'm just thankful that I have that ability. Like, because there's definitely been days of my life that I've gone through where I didn't have the ability to run. So just being able to do that and and reflecting. And one day you're the full marathon instead. I don't know, dude. Uh, I feel like I have to. Once you do yeah, a half, right? like, just, I, I hear you were going to step, so eventually you got to do the full marathon, huh? And then I do a full, and everyone's going to be like, when's the ultra? And I'm going to be like, oh. Yeah, right? Yeah. Wait for the fourth jump around across the country, right? Yeah, you got it. There's some good last points about trying something, like a new challenge, something very challenging. Step out of your comfort zone. And I have to kind of combine my last question together. I guess for you guys, what's something that would be very challenging or some step out of your comfort zone that for you guys it would mean to you that'd be kind of special for Alexa it's about doing these new challenging runs even though it's hard you can push yourself it's very rewarding but I guess for you guys what would be something that's new and challenging for you guys that really have you kind of step out of your comfort zone but you know it'd be rewarding once you completed it I do a bit of speaking engagements for work but I'll be honest, you all, it's a little daunting, especially if I have to get up in front of massive crowds. So I think podcasts are super comfortable because I'm doing it in a small group and then it's aired with people that I don't have to like present in front of. But something getting out of my comfort zone would be like getting up on a stage at like a TED Talk or getting up at a conference and presenting to hundreds or thousands of people. Yeah, I agree. That would be a challenge. I kind of mentioned earlier, we were talking about for me, my job, I kind of need to, um, with this project do, I need to do more on public speak, present this job to some higher up. So that'd be kind of a challenge there. Um, but something I kind of want to do that's a little more fun, this is on my bucket list. I have a friend who did a bungee jump off a bridge and she told me she loved it. She showed me a video. So I think for me, that'd be kind of a challenge. I am a little afraid of heights. So I feel like bungee jump and just seeing that first leap to something completely unknown and having faith. Anyone else having kind of fun, challenging thing or a dream vacation they want to do or something on their bucket list that'd be awesome i don't know if i have a good answer but that's a good question i mean i think on it i I like the idea of it being something physical right like the a physical challenge you didn't feel like you could overcome i like that but uh i'll have to think on that 
I'm sorry if I missed it earlier. I, I know I joined a little late, but Mackenzie, I'm looking through these programs. Do you have like a favorite, a recommendation, one for beginners that people really seem to like? Because I don't have experience in any of these. So yeah, I'm just curious. They're all beginner, Casey. All of them. It doesn't matter the sport. It doesn't matter the location. Everybody's starting at the same place. The majority of folks do not have experience. You might have that one person who's been rock climbing on a rock climbing program before or something like that. But just know that if you sign up for a program, like you're not going to be the odd one out. Like, oh, is everybody else going to know or have proficiency in this? And then I'm going to keep everybody behind. Not at all. Like everybody's largely 90% to 99% starting at the same place. They're all really great programs. All of them are so good. I mean, it kind of depends on what you want to do, where you want to go, what, how you want to, you know, do you want to be on water? Do you want to be on rock? Do you want to go surfing? One of my favorite programs is Rogue River, which is a beautiful wild river in Oregon. And it's an incredibly gorgeous setting. So that is probably my all-time favorite program. But we've also really got some awesome programs, rock climbing in Estes Park, Colorado, surfing in California, rock climbing in Moab. It just kind of depends, Casey, on what you're interested in, where you want to go. I think that's another thing, too. It's like, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Like, if you want to go somewhere that you've never been before, or you really love a state and there's an opportunity to go back, like, give it a shot. And I would say also, just to make a plug, like, Tell your caregivers about our programs too. We offer caregiver programming for adults that are also in our age eligibility criteria that also care for another young adult. So if you have a sibling or a partner who you think would benefit from our programs, have them sign up. We're all about extending the the healing power of outdoor adventure and want to get your caregivers out there too. And for a number of folks, who might be in treatment that they're like, hey, this is something that I'd love to aspire to do, but it's I can't quite get there or I can't quite do that. That's okay. Like I, I also encourage people to inquire because it's also that something on the horizon, that hope, that excitement, that adventure that can help kind of motivate and inspire too. And it's something to look forward to. We do accept people in the midst of treatment, that's not an issue. We're very, very familiar with people coming out who are undergoing radiation or and or chemo during the program. Hey, our questions for you guys, though. I'm glad to hear you guys are already on the website doing searches. So I hope you guys are being awesome. So thank you so much, Aaron, for coming. A huge thank you for Mackenzie for taking the time to come here and be a representative of First Ascent. As cancer patients, we didn't just survive, we also want to live our lives to the fullest. So I think y'all agreed to that. Thanks for listening to Life on Pause. Ideas or suggestions for future episodes? Feel free to share them with us. Join us for the next recording on the third Tuesday of the month. Until Until next time. time.